Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Once you have your Bible, I'm going to pick up right where we left off on the power of the Holy Ghost. Take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 3. Luke, the third chapter, and the 15th verse. Welcome everyone who's watching online. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who's mightier than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and with fire. Say it with me. Holy Ghost and fire. Turn over to John chapter 7. John the 7th chapter. Nice to see you, Pastor Vicky. I love you more every time I come down here and visit. What a great lady. Giving, giving every liberal a hard time on social media. I love it. Then I have to rush to her defense. John chapter 7. Verse 37, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from within. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who had not yet been given, but would be given to all who believe. I want you to say that with me, all who believe. So again, If somebody makes the argument that the power of the Holy Spirit was only for the original 12 apostles, I don't feel they're being an honest person because I don't believe uh, that people that have double earned PhDs in theology can, can miss that. I think you're just willfully misleading people, to be honest with you. The Bible says, he said, in that day, rivers of living water, not a trickle, not a stream, not a touch. Rivers of living water would flow from where? Your belly or from within. Oh, Lord, we ask you to send. No, not there, here. Someone has to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You take even a meeting like Azusa Street that changed the world. Well, what happened? A black pastor who was blind in one eye, William Seymour, got the revelation on the baptism of the Holy Ghost being for today. And he went, traveled slowly from Houston out to L.A., because basically anything good in this country originated in Texas, and then it gets exported to other states if they'll receive it. So he goes to California and uh, speaks at a church first, and because he's black and it's 1906, they won't let him speak to a a mixed crowd in the church. So he goes to a, a feed store on Azusa Street and begins to speak, and when he does, the power of the Holy Ghost hits the place, telling people that this did not die. Almost nothing new came from heaven. The new thing that came was, a, was an understanding in people that was always there in the Bible. That you may have been told that the power of the Holy Ghost died out with the last apostle, but the Bible doesn't say that. And so I said the Bible doesn't say that. It says this would be given to everybody who believes. Then as he preached it, people received it. Anyone who received it was kicked out of their denomination. Then you had these new denominations form around this doctrine that you could have 
the power of God's spirit today. Now, even a hundred and some years later, you basically can break things into two groups of people. There's people that uh, are crying out for God. We need more of him. And then there's people who understand I can have his power. God doesn't want me weak and broken. God doesn't want me a, 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 a beggar, a spiritual beggar, like at many churches where you'd say, how many of you need a touch? How many of you need help? Every hand comes up. No, it's not supposed to be that way. I can receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't touch me, then leave. He fills me, and then I can increase that anointing. Psalm 92, the psalmist said, I will be anointed with fresh oil. Say that with me. I will be anointed with fresh oil. Yeah, so then you not only get a touch, you don't try to run off the same, the same infilling. For, yeah, praise the Lord, back in 1988, that's great. But you don't eat a meal in Thanksgiving and expect to run off it the rest of the year. You'll die. But there is a fresh outpouring from heaven every day. You can, you can receive more power, and then you can stir up the power that's on the inside of you. Uh, that's what Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Timothy, stir up the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. Say that with me. Stir up the gift. So you can stir up negative things. Dag Haywood Mills that's coming to our church was talking to youth. He said, if you talk about sex, it stirs up the desire to have sex. You, there's certain music you'd listen to. That's why it's the soundtrack at clubs or strip clubs or bad places. Because what you talk about stirs up the desire for that thing. You can stir up sin. You can stir up the flesh. Or you can stir up the good things that God put in your spirit. That's what's been happening here the last eight days. As you sit and listen to the word, it, it actually will put to death. The Bible says mortify the deeds of the flesh. It'll put to death the sinful things lurking in you. And then it'll raise to life the things that are good that God's put in you. This round two, week two of this great revival in Texas, God's not just going to give you a little pat on the head. God's going to take every good thing he did last week, and he's going to add to it, line upon line, precept upon precept, and it's going to make for the best week you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. It's going to put to death the bad things, and it's going to bring to life the things that God said belong to every one of us in the word. If you receive that tonight, as we kick off round two, go ahead and clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Can you say amen? So that's John 7. But this spake he in that day, rivers of living water will flow out from within. This is going to help you today because when I went to go into the ministry and I was working at, at uh, the church that my Bible college assigned me to in Massachusetts, I, I grew up Pentecostal. And it was customary to pray before you were going to minister. Lord, anoint the speaker today. Or if you were the speaker, Lord, anoint me today. There was this feeling that God's power was somewhere outside of you. And you were Clark Kent. And if you were doing something in church, you went into the phone booth and became super mega. Fire yourself up in the church basement before you came up or whatever you're going to do. Pray in tongues for speed tongues for 15 minutes and get ready to flow. And then when that was over, you kind of sat, ate some grapes and went back to being Clark Kent. But the Bible doesn't teach you that way. Yes, there is an unction for preaching. There's an unction for service. But the Bible says when you receive, you have received an anointing from the Holy One who dwells with you always. You have received. 
an anointing from the Holy One. Anointing's empowerment. My Spanish friends that are here will tell you that in the Spanish Bible, the word for anointing is unction, unction. You've received an unction, an empowerment from the Holy One that dwells with you always. You don't have to step into the anointing and then step out of it when you're done preaching. You can walk. In fact, you're actually admonished not to. Paul wrote in the book of Galatians, walk in the Spirit, then a paragraph later, live in the Spirit, then a paragraph later, walk and live in the Spirit. Say with me, walk in the Spirit. Say live in the Spirit. And then say, walk and live in the Spirit. So I don't have to go from, from Clark Kent to Superman. I actually can change into Superman in the Spirit and stay in the anointing. The anointing does not come and go. It's, an, it's a river that flows from your belly. Your spirit's in your belly, not your head. In your belly, out of your belly. That's why even unsaved people say, I had a gut feeling. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So number one, the Holy Spirit fills you with this power on the inside. Secondly, it's not dormant. It flows like a river. It'll flow out into your mind, cause you to think God's thoughts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning the spirits. It'll flow through your mouth, prophecy, gift of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. It'll flow through your hands, uh, 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 the gifts of healings, working of miracles, special faith. It's not dormant. It flows like a mighty river. And you can get in the flow. You can, get, you can live differently. You can live in a flow as a mother. You can live in a flow as a father. You can live in a flow as a pastor. I've told you the story. If you were here last week, and most of you were, we received that $5.7 million building to start the church. That was done by that river. My wife and her sister felt in their spirit a certain way about a building that was in Coriopolis, Pennsylvania. And when they went and checked on it, the owner was there. She liked the person that we sent and said, let's meet. Let's talk about this. I just prayed today that God would help me unload this building. I've been trying to get rid of it for three years, and I can't find a buyer that I like, but I like you people. That's called the flow. You can wake up in the morning and get it. Instead, I need prayer. You can instead say, this is what I was starting to get into about, uh, uh, what, seven minutes ago, that I'd go preach, and I'd say, Father, anoint your servant today. But then you realize, say this, I am anointed. And if you haven't been anointed, you can change that before you leave the building tonight. And we'll change that. You're going to change it tonight. We're going to get hands laid on you. You're going to leave out of here at the mo carrying the most anointing you've ever carried. And you're going to do great damage to the kingdom of hell. Can you say amen? You're not going to need prayer. You're going to be giving out prayer to people that are hurting. And we're going to hear many great testimonies this week too of what the believers went out and did in Jesus' name. If you believe it, can you say a living amen? I got a hold of a book in the controversial literature section at my Bible college written by John G. Lake. And he said, I would pray before I spoke. I'd put my hand on my belly and say, and now this was foreign to me. He wouldn't say, Lord, please anoint me tonight. He'd say, Father, I thank you that your spirit, looking at himself in the mirror, I thank you that your spirit is in that man and in that suit of clothes. And where that suit of clothes goes and where that man goes, God goes. When you read Dr. John G. Lake, who started 5,000-some churches in five years, or 1,100-some churches in five years in South Africa. I mean, that's in the early 1900s. He, had a, he, he was 
way ahead of his time. He'd be ahead of this time, as far as most people go. He'd talk about the lightnings of God, that he could feel the lightnings of God coursing out of his body. What was he feeling? He was feeling that supernatural river. So the one thing Satan will try to do is get you to doubt you being anointed. How does he get you to doubt it? By feeling. Well, what's an enemy of faith? Fear is an enemy of faith. But you know there's a second enemy to faith that's equal with fear? The Bible doesn't say we walk by faith and not by fear. It says we walk by faith and not by sight. So if the devil can get you to go by how you feel, I don't feel anointed. Who cares how you feel? Feeling's basically body chemistry. I feel bad. Then you have some ice cream. I feel like I'm going to make it. That's called your blood sugar going up. Can you say amen? It has nothing to do with your spirit. You're just going by being tired or, or, or not tired, hungry or not hungry. That shifts during the day. But the word is an anchor. And the word lets you know, I am anointed every day because I'm hooked up with Christ. I'm not trying to get anointed. I have the anointing, whether I feel the anointing or whether I don't feel the anointing. I'm going to tell you right now, if you can get that settled in your spirit and get your confession lined up with the Bible and not, I feel tired, I feel sad, I feel like I'm being attacked. Instead of saying that, say what the Bible says. I have rivers of living water flowing out. You can, you can say that with your hand lifted tomorrow when you wake up for work. First words out of your mouth. Thank you, Father, that I have the anointing, that it's flowing like a river out of my belly. Wherever the sole of my foot shall tread, I'm on land that you've given to me. I'm not going backwards. I'm going forwards in Jesus' name because the greater one lives on the inside of me. Now say this out loud. That's not subject to feeling. I was preaching in Indiana one time. And uh, I did Sunday through Wednesday, which was a lot for me back then. And when I finished Wednesday night, the pastor said, do you remember this lady? And he described what the lady looked like. I said, I do. I said, I actually was wondering why she wasn't in church because she was one of those people that like, uh, like, like my friend in the front. I don't know that he's ever missed a service. I may have missed more of my services than he has. And uh, if I didn't see him, I'd be nervous. I'd wonder if I missed the rapture or something. He's always here. This was a lady like that. She didn't sit in the front row, but she'd never, she'd be in the day services. She'd be in the night services. And then year three, she wasn't there. So I said, yeah, actually, I was wondering where she was at. The pastor said, uh, I said, did she get offended or something about something I posted on social media or backslide? What happened? He said, no, she got an infection in her lungs, a bacterial infection, and it spread throughout her body and they have her on life support right now. They're, they're, it's looking like she's going to die. She's in the ICU at the hospital, and they wanted to know if you'd come in and pray for her. Well, I was, you know, one thing that'll help you as if you're not a preacher is whatever you're going to get, try to get it in the service. Because after somebody's preached for, like Pastor Rodney, preached for two hours, laid hands on everybody, they're not saving things for after the service. So I was done. I had already checked out in my head. You know, it was the last service. I was done. I had to get on a plane in the morning. In my head, I'm already thinking about packing. So this lady doesn't have a boo-boo. She didn't fall off her huffy 12-speed and skin her knee. She's going to die. You need me to basically raise somebody from the dead. It's like, could you, you have told me that Tuesday? So I said, yeah, I'll pray. Well, I go over to pray at the hospital, and I'm going to tell you, uh, some, some hospitals are conducive for praying for people, but not many. 
And this one wasn't one. I have prayed in ones where the nurses would lift their hands and, and you know, you kind of caught a break that day. They believed in what you were doing and glad you were there. But these people in Indiana just kind of stared me down like, oh man, where are you from? The 1800s? You're going to come in here and raise this lady from off this table? We're, we're using millions of dollars of medical equipment? You could just see it in their face. I could tell. They didn't like me. You should get out of here. Uh, you know, it's midnight at this point. So I go in. I'm going to tell you. There was no tangible or palpable anointing in the room. There was no, I didn't feel anointed. I just felt sleepy and hungry. So what do you do in situations? Now you've heard me preach like this and exhort for about 15 minutes on how you're anointed. But then what do you do in situations where you come in and you don't feel an ounce of the anointing? You don't even feel saved. You just feel tired. And uh, what do you do? Say this out loud. The word is always anointed even when I don't feel anointed so the less anointing I feel the more word I use because the, I can lean on the on the anointing that is resident in the word can you say amen so when that lady's laying there and I mean she looked like she was dying you know she, she, she no response gray skin in the ICU I laid my hands on her you know I don't know, and I was raised Pentecostal. Pentecostals go entirely by feeling. I felt the heat of God in my hand. I didn't feel the heat of God in my hand. But what does the Bible say? Mark 16. These signs will follow how many who believe. Oh, so then I can quote that. I can throw everything back on God. And I like, I'm, I'm big at doing that. Lord, I'm, I'm doing that right now, building this church we're building. Lord, you said you'll build your church. I thank you. You're building it. I'm just going to watch you build it. Amen. I'm not worrying. I'm going to sleep in Jesus' name, like Daniel in the lion's den. So I, I, like, I like using the Bible to throw things back on God. So I, my part's laying hands. So I laid hands. Father, you said, as these doctors and nurses are staring me down, Father, you said in your word, these signs will follow them that believe. Mark 16, they will lay their hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. I'm doing what you told me to do, and I thank you that your word always works. Now you're not going by how you feel, and you be, you're going by what the Bible says. If you can train yourself, which I guess would have two parts. If you're going to go by what the Bible says, number one, you have to know what the Bible says. So you should have a daily life in the word. A daily life in the word. How many of you are on my YouTube channel, Jonathan Shuttlesworth? You know, that's why we started making those daily broadcasts. I felt the Lord speak to me because most of the churches I was preaching at back then were not churches like this. When I leave here, Pastor Ryan doesn't go back on another path. We're both faith people. But a lot of the churches I was preaching at back then, they enjoyed my ministry, but it was so foreign to them. They didn't pray for the sick. They, they, they believed in what I was doing, but they, they couldn't carry it on because they didn't, they are from like another tribe. So I'd watch the live stream after I left and it basically would go the next Sunday. How many of you, how many of you are thankful for what happened this last week? How many of you are thankful for what God did through brother Jonathan? Wow. Isn't he a great gift? Well, now back to normal. And the Lord would speak to me. There's people that have been stirred up by what they received and heard while you were here, but they're not getting that after you leave. So make a resource available 
where they can continue as now they're hungry. They don't want to go back to eating uh, 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 garbage canned food. They want to continue to feast on the meat of God's word. So put something out there for them every day where they can hear about prayer and the gifts of the spirit and faith and the soon coming of Christ and the ministry gifts and all those things that you've been teaching them. That's where that came from. So that people can stay building their the word into their spirit because the word will show you a different path in life. All the time you're hearing something different on TV. Are you a man over the age of 55? You have a 66% increased risk of stroke. But there's no Bible verse that tells you once you turn 55, you have an increased risk of stroke. It actually says, as your days are, so shall your strength be. And with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. So the word keeps you on a different path. I see you walking a different path from this week in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, can you shout a living amen? Say it so the devil can hear you. I'm on a different path. I'm on the path of God's word. Amen. Man, it feels good in here. I feel, I, I feel a sweet anointing in this building. I'm guessing you had a pretty good service this morning with that young novice preacher you had to do Father's Day that's just getting his feet wet. Amen. I mean, you're happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Well, however happy you are to be here, I can tell you I'm 10 times happier to be with you. I believe in you. There's great people here. I look over this room. I've preached here enough. I'm starting to get to know people and who I'm looking at. These are people worth investing the seed of God's word in. I'm not saying things. There are going to be people that come out of here and make an indelible mark on their generation. They're going to undo the plan of the devil in Texas and Louisiana and Arkansas and South Texas and the Rio Grande Valley. God has great people here that are going to do a mighty work for God before Jesus comes back. And tonight's going to be a great aid in that. If you receive that, let's celebrate your victories ahead of time. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Somebody say, I will be anointed with fresh oil. Say this, I'm anointed tonight. I'll be anointed in the morning. And I'll increase the anointing during the day. And that, I, maybe that's all, since we have the whole week, maybe I'll just stay on this introductory theme, even though I had a, other points. The word increases the anointing. Because who's the source of the anointing? You shall receive power. The anointing is the manifestation of the power of God, the unction. You shall receive power, Acts 1-8. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So the Holy Ghost is the source of the anointing. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit. People say, well, 40-some authors. Yes, inspired by who? The Bible says nobody wrote what they wanted to write. They all wrote as God moved upon them. So anytime you're invoking the word, the word and the spirit are not separate. The Bible says the word and the spirit agree. So that day, what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you're in a hospital? This lady's not sick or, you know, having trouble holding food down. And uh, other than that, she's fine. No, she's dying. And she looks like she's dying. And I don't feel I have any capacity to do anything about it. But I don't go by how I feel. I go by what the Bible says. Can you say amen? And I'll take, it, I'll take it further than that. Everything you're seeing in this ministry, the buildings and the airplanes and all that, I, I felt 
and still feel completely unqualified and a lack of capacity to do anything I'm doing. I think one of the reasons I keep playing that video from my Uncle Ted speaking to Rodney Howard Brown is he keeps saying the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. But I'm trying to pass on to you what I've learned that he was telling Pastor Rodney that we all need reminded of. Obviously, Pastor Rodney was getting a reminder of it that night as he went to finish that $13 million project in five and a half months. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. I actually, there's no use me feeling any pressure about that woman dying. I, I, if I feel like I can heal her, I can't heal her. I can't heal her, and it's not about me. It's about a devil that wants her dead and a Christ who died for her to be alive. It's not our battle. We are the vehicles that God is using to get his will done on the earth. And if he can find somebody that will line their feet up and their mouth up and their hands up with what his word says, then the full power of heaven flows on the behalf of that person to work the will of God. Now that takes all the pressure off you. Say out loud, the battle's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. And so you win it by the anointing, by just being a vessel that God can flow through. So I put my hands on her and threw it back on God. You said to lay your hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. I'm obeying your word. And you said you'd do your part. And I know you're not a man that you should lie nor the son of man that you change your mind. If you spoke something, you'll bring it to pass. So I thank you that it's done. This is your, your thing, not my thing. All I'm doing is doing my part. My part's to pray in faith. Your part's to heal the sick and raise them up. My job's not to, I don't have to massage her, her arms and get blood flow. No, that's your job. My job's to lay my hands in faith and speak the word only that my, your servant would be healed. Can you say amen? amen. Well, I got done praying. And I wish the story went. And all of a sudden, her heart rate monitor started going up. Hallelujah. And the nurses started dancing in the Holy Ghost. And the doctor broke out a tambourine. But none of those things happened. Those would be lies if I said that. In fact, she looked more dead when I finished praying than when I started praying. So when we got done, the doctors and nurses, and doctors and nurses are good people, but these three, they don't like me. I can tell when somebody doesn't like me. They, they nodded their head like, you're done. It's midnight. You, you get out of here and let us go back to doing actual things that help people. So this hocus pocus nonsense you people do. They didn't say any of that, but I can tell a lot from looking in somebody's eyes. Amen. So they gave me that angry nod, and I walked out. And then on the way out, as my mind started to say, I don't think you helped that lady at all. She looks like a goner. I always say the opposite of unbelief out loud. Your thoughts don't condemn you or justify you. The Bible says, by your words are you justified, and by your words are you condemned. Anytime unbelief goes into your head, never let it get in the elevator and come out of your mouth. Learn to speak the opposite of how you're feeling. I can't remember what I said where, because I've been preaching twice a day for a lot of time. But uh, if so if you've had to hear this before, it wouldn't do you bad to hear it again. I've learned to change Camila, my daughter, her mood by getting her to speak different things. Because when your daughter's crying, you know, I don't like crying. Jesus doesn't like crying. You're not allowed to cry in heaven. The Bible says there'll be no more crying. Tears get confiscated by heaven's TSA, the same as cocaine gets confiscated when you're coming into the United States. So there's, everybody say, no crying. So I hear my little girl 
crying. I don't like that. One time she was crying. We were on an airplane. And uh, I, oh, I know what happened. I think she like kicked the corner of a seat with her bare foot and was in physical pain. So I had just been teaching on this. So I thought I'd give it a try. She's crying. Her mom's holding her. But, but you know, someone holding you doesn't make your foot, your excruciating foot pain go away. It might soothe you a little bit, but you're, you're still hurting. But check out, check out how strong the power of your words are. As she's crying, and she really hurt herself. Well, I'll quit crying. No, she, she kicked a metal thing with her little, little foot. I said, hey, Camila. Yeah. Yeah, Pa. I said, uh, what's your favorite day that you've ever had? She stopped crying. And I, th- I think I did tell this last week. That one time I was going to preach for Pastor Rodney, and our plane got in early, and our bags were right on the carousel, and we came down. It was 6.10 at night. And, you know, I mean, I, back then I was in my late 30s, not my, my late 90s. So I'm not going to bed at 7 o'clock. And I thought, you know, as much as I'd like to just check into the hotel and just chill, that's not what a five-year-old likes to do. That was the first time I ever took Camila, just me and her. We took a Southwest flight from Pittsburgh to Tampa, got our bags. And back then they hadn't built the addition onto the Tampa airport. So the rental car... Like, you got your rental car, it was like to those double doors. You went to the baggage claim, went across the street, went and got your rental car, and we're out. So I thought, okay, it's not even 6.30 yet. Disney World is an hour and 10 minutes away. So I, I don't want to go to Disney World. I hate Disney World. I hated it before they found out about all of it politically and it being anti-Christian. Uh, Mickey Mouse could have been a born-again Christian. I still hated it there. It's 97 degrees with 300% humidity. You can have it. Who in their, what, what lunatic builds a park for 100,000 people and puts eight benches to sit on? So I don't like it there. But my daughter loved Disney World. She would watch YouTube channels that told about how it was built and could tell you what rides, what year the rides were built, what they were originally intended to be. She loved it. So I thought, okay, this kid's such a good kid. I'm going to do something to knock her socks off. So I got on Interstate 4 and headed east from Tampa towards Disney World without telling her. So after we were driving for about 40 minutes, she's the best kid, I'm telling you. She looked over, you know, not to complain, but she went, how far is the hotel? Like, this, we've been in the car a long time. Are you lost? I said, uh, I said we'll be there soon. Then we hit Celebration Florida, where Disney is. They have a big entrance. Welcome to Celebration Florida, the home of Disney with the Mickey and Minnie. If, if I could bottle this memory and put it in some kind of virtual reality thing for people to watch, the look on her face of tired. She got on all fours with her, with her two hands on the window and then her knees on the seat. I had her sitting up with me. I think the statute of limitation, I liked having her up front with me. So we had a thing. If I saw the police, I'd say, duck, police. And she'd go, duck, duck, and go under the thing. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a good idea. I'm just telling you what I did. So she's up front with me. She, she, she looks out the way. She goes, she goes, uh, are we going to Disney? And I went, yep. And I'm telling you, that kid went ballistic. Well, and then we went for like, I like taking her right before the park closes because then it's not me making her leave. It's Mickey's making her leave. Man, Camille, I'd have left here for 15 hours. This 
freaking mouse kicking us out. Can you believe it? And when she, now look how nice that story is. You're smiling and laughing. You weren't even there, you weirdo. She told that, I said, what's your favorite day? Do you remember when you took me to Disney World by surprise? And I said, yeah, tell me about it. So she starts describing it. All of a sudden, she's not crying about her foot anymore. Then it starts getting her going in the other direction. I said, what's your second favorite day? Do you remember the other time? And I had her list off her five favorite days. She wasn't even crying by the end of the first day. Now she's smiling and laughing. Your words, you're you're one sentence away from a change of mood. Now, I'm getting into other stuff. I'm trying to stay on the anointing thing. But, you know, you actually can dictate your own feelings by the words that you speak. Can you say amen? Yeah. I've said this at our marriage conference at church. There's two or three things Adalis has done in our marriage that were so above and beyond the call of duty that anytime I even feel myself getting upset about something she's done, I'll tell her that story. Do you remember that time? Like there was one time she was eight months pregnant and I had told her I was going to take Camila to school in the morning and she was like exhausted and pregnant. And... I stayed up playing video games till 5.15 in the morning and overslept the alarm, and I never heard her wake me up. She took Camila. She's pregnant. I'm not pregnant. I know they say men can get pregnant, but so far I've been able to dodge that bullet by clean living. Amen. I mean, if there was ever a day to stay sexually pure, it's not now because now you not only have disease to worry about, even as a man you can get pregnant, and that's embarrassing. Where do you even buy maternity clothes? <laughs> At Dick's Sporting Goods. Bass Pro Shop. Do you have anything for a man who's in his second trimester? No, we don't. Get out. please get out of here. Now, Adalis, if she wanted to, had me dead to rights. If she told how she had to get up at 6 in the morning and take our kid to school, pregnant and not feeling good, because her husband played video games all night like an 8-year-old, there's nobody that would take my side in that matter. Then when she came home, she had a coffee for me and breakfast. I would have, <laughs> I would have, if I was her, I would have leaned over me like Rambo over that CIA guy at the closing scene of Rambo 2. And she did it. Breakfast, coffee, never mentioned it. So anytime there's something, I'll just start thinking about that story. And t- I said, Donald, you remember that time you took Camila to school? She said, yeah, we quit. It's like yeah, a long time ago. Well, I haven't forgotten about it. You're one sentence away. You're a handful of sentences away from changing your mood. Look at what we even do in church. Not that I have to break through. The praise and worship team does a great job. But we'll have you say, I'm not having you repeat stuff to be a parrot. I, there's things you say that'll, that stir up faith. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. From glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. There are certain verses in the Bible that are faith triggers. You can't say those things and stay defeated. Wherever the sole of my foot shall tread, I'm on land that God has given to me. Joshua 1.5, no man will be able to stand before me as long as I live. God is for me. Who can be against me? My tomorrow is going to be all right. You get a handful of those and shotgun them out of your mouth. And devils go running. And the joy and victory of God enters in. 
Say this out loud. My mouth is in control of my feelings. Say this from tonight. My feelings have no control over my mouth. Now lift your hands and thank God that that victory key is going to make a radically different six months for you. Come on, take 15, 15 seconds, lift your hands. Just begin to thank God out of your mouth. I have victory. My mouth is not going to be a weapon of my defeat. My mouth is going to be a weapon of my victory in Jesus' name. I'm going to speak the word only. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. So on my way out of the hospital, I said, I was walking with the pastor. I said out loud, Father, I thank you that your word is true. You told us to lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. I thank you that we're going to see her recover in Jesus' name. The whole time I'm quoting the scripture, my mind's going, no, it's not happening. You, sir, she didn't look any, but she didn't even blink or anything when you, when you laid hands on her. You know, and then the devil will remind you about like stories you've heard. You know, remember that story where Oral Roberts prayed for somebody and they jumped out of bed? Look at you. Remember that story where John G. Lake laid his hand on that lady that had a 30-pound tumor on her stomach and his hand was burned a quarter of an inch deep into her belly? You couldn't even get that lady's blood pressure to go up. You're a loser. The devil remind you that. I, I, I think anybody... I was listening to Dag Haywood Mills talk about this, and I thought it was interesting because he's in Ghana. I'm in America. It's the same devil. He said, the devil, when you start working in the healing ministry, he'll start maligning your healings to you on the drive home. Well, you just pray for someone. There's a couple of people that had bad backs. Nobody got out of a wheelchair because the majority of people's healings, I mean, even Elijah, you have seven miracles, but they're major miracles. F.F. Bosworth, it took till he was 70. It doesn't have to be like this. But it took till he was 70 to get one born blind person healed, running healing crusades for 50 years. So the devil will malign, what's that? You know, always trying to get you down and think less of yourself. And who am I? But I'm telling you, the word does not give you a low opinion of yourself. The word gives you a paints a high picture of who you are in Christ. You are mighty through God. You and Christ have become one, and you can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, if you receive it again, clap your hands unto the Lord. Give him a mighty shout. Go ahead and clap your hands. Feels good in here. People worth preaching to. Good to see you again. I, I miss you. I was miserable these last 30 hours. Everybody, everybody say, God's going to use me. And God's using me now. Did the Rangers win yesterday? I thought, I thought of you when I saw it. Congratulations. Everything's turning around for your good, my friend. If they go to the World Series, I'm going to get you a World Series ticket to go see him at Globe Life Stadium. So you got something to look forward to. Amen. When I'm first coming up out of a nap, I lose a lot of money. Amen. Because I'm not thinking straight. Well, cat's out of the bag. <laughs> now I'm going to have mixed emotions about the Rangers. Brother Jonathan, Rangers are going to the World Series. Son of a gun. <laughs> Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Say, my tomorrows are bigger than my yesterdays. You know, R.W. Shambach was a master at putting things in a little, a little phrase 
that stirred faith. You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. I've been putting all his old sayings up on billboards on Interstate 376 in Pittsburgh. I have one up right now. It's me and Doss's picture. Corniest saying I've ever seen. Paying four grand a month to stick it up on a billboard. When the devil starts messing, God starts blessing. Amen. <laughs> Every time I drive by, I have mixed emotions. <laughs> but it helps people because everybody likes focusing on the devil. Man, the devil's been attacking. Devil. Yeah, but Brother Shambach would say, when the devil starts messing, God starts blessing. You can prove it from Scripture. When the devil has a plan to attack, God's got a plan to counterattack and give you the victory. Amen. Don't focus on the attack. Focus on the blessing. Don't focus on the sickness. Focus on the healing. Don't focus on the enemy. Focus on the miracle. Victory belongs to you. Woo! Hallelujah. We got the cream of the crop here tonight. Amen. I was talking about me. Um, <laughs> so I was leaving the, the hospital, and I, I felt like I did nothing to help that lady. And it looked like I did nothing to help that lady. Don't say what you see. Say what you believe. And what you believe will become what you see. Abraham didn't call those things that were as though they were not. I don't have cancer. I don't have cancer. I don't. No, no, no. Faith is not calling those things that are as though they're not. Jesus didn't ignore sickness. This is not Christian science where we say, no, you're actually being deceived. That sickness isn't really there. No, Jesus didn't die for pretend sicknesses. He died for real sicknesses. He died for real tumors. He died for real blindness and paralysis. We don't call those things that are as though they're not. Faith doesn't deny reality. Faith deals with reality. We call those things that are not as though they are. People say, yeah, but Jonathan, you said we're to say we're healed, but I'm sick. Let me ask you a question. Are you ever wrong when you quote God? You're never wrong when you quote God. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 24, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, by his stripes, you were healed. Okay, think of this. Past tense, present tense, future tense. The three tenses in the English language. So in Isaiah 53, it says, by whose stripes? Yeah, they, they are healed. Then Matthew, 18, Matthew 8, uh, verses 16 and 17, when Jesus heals all the people, it says that it would be fulfilled what it was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, that by whose stripes we, we are healed. Present tense, because he was doing the healing. But then Peter flips it. The Holy Ghost through Peter, flipped it in 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes ye were healed. Brother Jonathan, I believe God can heal. That's not faith. Faith isn't I believe God can. I believe God will heal. No. Faith isn't believing God's going to do something. I believe I am healed because I was healed 2,000 years ago. I'm not waiting for God to do something. The full price has already been paid for my redemption. So if I was healed, then I am healed. First, First Peter 2.24, by whose stripes ye were healed. If I were healed, I is healed. Can you say amen? That'd probably go over better in Texarkana, but we're in Dallas and we'll stick with it. Amen. By whose stripes ye were healed. So if I was healed in the past, then I am healed in the future. It'd be like if somebody put four and a half million dollars in an account that I didn't know about. 
I might not know about it. I might be living like a bum, asking people if I can borrow money to get a sandwich, half sandwich at Subway. Does anybody have four bucks? Does anybody have a ride home? That money's in the account, but because I don't know it's there, it doesn't do anything for me. Secondly, even if I know it's there, if I don't know how to access it, I don't know how to work an ATM card, then I can't touch it. It's like that guy that's a Bitcoin millionaire. What, I, I, it might be a billionaire, but I know it's at least hundreds of millions, and he can't remember the code to unlock the thing. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. You get 10 tries, and he's already used nine of them. And he's got one left, and if he missed that one, it dissolves. So he has to live. He's a billionaire who has to live in his mom's basement. And a lot of Christians are billionaires living in their mom's basement because the, the, the stuff's in the account, but they don't know how to... Number one, half of them don't know it's there. Of the half who do know it's there, they don't know how to access it. You can stand in front of an ATM machine and cry for an hour. It's not spitting out any money. It's not fair. No, there's, you're going to end up in a mental institution. That's not how it works. You got, but then if you know the code, you don't have to do any crying. You don't have to do any runny nose, tissue box. Just type in the code and out the money comes because it's your account and then there's a procedure to get what's in the account into your life. Do you know it's the same with Christianity? Everything God's done for you has already been done. It's not, oh, Lord, please move. Oh, Lord, please heal. No, God's in heaven. Christ is seated at his right hand. There's nothing more for him to do. There's something for you to do. So then the Bible lays out, A, not only what you have, B, how to get your hands on what you have. For example, some of you grew up in dead churches. I've been to a few. What's the mistake they make, many of them? They don't honor God's code. They have their own code. How many of you had a rough week? We're just going to keep the... You know, we're going to keep, keep the lights down, and I'm just going to sing a song that I wrote this week when I was going through a hard time. Where are you, Lord? Sometimes I don't feel your presence. I don't know where you are. You've abandoned me, oh, Lord, but still I trust in you because the fault's on you. I don't do anything wrong. And there's no presence. And then they tell, we invite you to stand on your feet, but if you want to stay seated, bro, and drink your coffee, and there's no presence of God. Why? Because the Bible tells you the code. I, uh, Psalm 100, verse 2. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll come into his courts with so you don't even come into his courts with worship. It's actually unscriptural to open with a slow song. You open with, with, with praise. Praise is not worship. Praise is high level. I'll tell you what praise is. With all that is within me, I will praise his holy name. I lived in, in Maine for a while. And the church I went to there would have this choir. They were a famous choir. It was an African boys choir that would tour the United States. And, and that choir would dance and praise. And then our white Pentecost, you know, white at Maine back then was like 99 point something white. You know, there was no immigration yet. It was all, all French. So then the pastor would get up after and go, isn't it wonderful how they praise God? As if Psalms was written to black Africans. And then French people were off the hook. 
No, it doesn't say black, uh, black people will praise the Lord with everything that's in them. They just found the secret. But it's for everybody that's interested. David wasn't an African-American. David was a, a, an Israelite. And his own wife said, didn't the king of Israel look stately today, praising the Lord like some common drunk? But David said, if you'll remember, God didn't exactly like how your family did things. He stripped it from your father and gave it to me. Yea, I'm willing to look this foolish and even more foolish to praise the God that made me king. He danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was a man after God's own heart. Let everything that has breath, let every Methodist, let every Presbyterian, let every Baptist, let every Assemblies of God person, let everything that has breath, praise ye the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's not for black people. It's not for Spanish people. It's not for white people. It's not for Arabs. It's for everybody. I said it's for everybody. Why? Because praise magnetizes God's presence. Sorrow drives God's presence out. Joy attracts God's presence. In his presence is fullness of, at his right hand, pleasures, not pressures, pleasures. Like a fish can't survive out of water. The devil cannot survive in an atmosphere of joy and praise. That's why every attack is to get you feeling heavy and down. And then once you start vocalizing it, you start making an atmosphere that's conducive for the demonic. But you know what the Bible says in Psalm 22, 7? That God inhabits the praises of Israel. God inhabits the praises of his people. Think of this. That's why Brother Hagin called praise the highest form of prayer. Angels attend to our prayers. Daniel 10. Daniel, from the moment you began to pray, I was sent with your answer. Acts 12. Peter's in prison. The church began to pray, and angels came. Angels attend to your prayers. But when you praise, angels don't come in. God abides. God himself abides in the praises of his people. That's why when Paul was in prison, he prayed. Nothing happened when he prayed. And sang praises unto God. And the other prisoners heard him. And suddenly, somebody shout suddenly. There was a massive earthquake. Why? Because God, who the heavens are the Lord and the earth is his footstool. He moved his feet to come down where the praise was. And when he did, there was a violent earthquake. The chains of every prisoner fell off and every prison door came open. It's a secret to the anointing. Don't get down. Lift up your hands. Then hey, glow and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, let me hear some Texas praise. Begin to praise God. Hallelujah. So there's things you do that attract the anointing, and there's things you do that repel the anointing. And people, well, yeah, yeah, but they didn't know that. They had a good heart. Doesn't matter. You can eat... Uh, Go and growl every day with a good heart. It'll still kill you. No, please don't sue me. I'm just, I needed some restaurant for an illustration. Yeah. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. You have to know what the Bible says. I'll enter his gates. We don't come and drag our problems in. 
I mean, you're having a hard week. We're just going to... No, 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 no. It's not time to sing about the problems. It's time to sing about the answer that conquered death, hell, and the grave and gave us the victory. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So you don't let your mouth... Say it with me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Yeah. I'm not using my mouth to create an atmosphere for the devil to mess me over. I'm using my mouth to create an atmosphere that God loves. Now, I'm not going to take a show of hands, but I bet you a lot would go up. The first you heard me preach or speak, you thought, that guy's the most arrogant cuss I've ever heard in my life. Talking prosperity, talking, I'm going to live a long time, and God's going to use me. But then you see, I'm not doing that to brag on me. I'm doing it to line my mouth up with the Bible. When I was driving a car that was too busted up to get registered because it needed more repairs than I could afford. It was two years behind registration. Had a color sticker on the license plate that they didn't even make anymore. That's how far behind I was. You'd have never known it hearing me preach. I, said, I thought if this is the devil trying to get me discouraged, I'm going to make the devil have an emergency meeting with demons saying, does this kid have screws loose? Did you hear what he preached last night about the blessing of Abraham? Tell him, you, you were here Friday night. I was preaching Philippians 4. Not that I was ever in need. I preached on that with a broken down car and an overdrawn bank account. I've never gotten the pulpit and said, I have a good, never. Uh, just so you know, before we go, I have, uh, there's a great need that's come up in our ministry. We have a, a car that's broken down, and that's the car we used to travel. And then I've overdrawn our bank account. So if, if there's anybody that could help me, nobody ever heard a word of it. I parked that problem with God. The Bible says, cast your cares on who? Him. For he careth for you. And then don't cast your cares with, with a rope attached. Father, here's my care. Okay, let me have him back. <laughs> Say this out loud. I gave that problem to God. God. There's people that are here right now. You, this is an instruction from the Lord. There's a thing you pray about all the time. You need to give that thing over to God and never touch it in your thought life again. And then the next time the devil brings it up for you to worry about, you should just lift your hand and say, thank you, Jesus, that I gave that problem to you, and you're not a dullard, and it's taken care of in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Yeah, because there's people under the guise of praying. It's actually the devil's wearing, they're not praying properly. You know, I've just been praying and praying. No, something's wrong. Because prayer, if you do it right, you come out of the prayer closet with victory. Can you say amen? If we read 2 Chronicles 20, when they went in to pray, they, still had, they went in to pray and had three enemies attacking them. They came out of prayer and still had three enemies attacking them, but they began to shout for victory. Brother Hagen taught, pray until a note of victory comes in your spirit. Pray till you feel a song of joy. Hallelujah. Come into your spirit and begin to sing the song. I know the Lord has made a way for me. He's making crooked paths straight. He's bringing streams in the desert. I have the victory. Some people, it's almost like they're committed to pray for something for the rest of their life. They have no expectation of victory. I've had this happen several times. Can you pray for my husband? He's backslidden. Sure. What's his name? Hank. Give me your hands. Father, I come in agreement with my sister. In Jesus' name, you said in your word, wherever two agree is touching any one thing they ask.
They'll have whatever they ask. And we know there's nothing more dear to your heart than the salvation of the lost. So we call Hank by name. We call him saved. Let something transpire this week that brings him into the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. And the lady goes, amen. So anyway, it's just very discouraging because, hey! It's been 10 seconds. One lady, one lady did that with her husband, and when I finish it, literally, just when it, and we call him saved in Jesus' name. You know what amen means? Amen means so be it. It's done. It's done. I call it done. Okay, amen. So anyway, um, it's just discouraging because like when I go home, you're already prepared. You're not praying for an answer. You're praying as a, as a religious routine. You're not trying to get a result. You're going through the motions. And you won't get anything. When you pray, you should call it done by faith. God's not stupid. He doesn't need three reminders a day. You can ask him, my father, I turn that thing over to you. And if the devil tries to bother, let me ask you a question. Let's, let's take this imaginary guy, Hank. If, we pray, if, I, if I'm his wife and I pray for him, Father, save Hank in Jesus' name, amen. And then a thought comes to me four hours later. Your husband is a drunk. It's looking worse. Or I get a phone call that it's, he actually looks worse than when I started praying for him. Is that Jesus trying to remind me that I need to pray again because we're having a hard time up here? Or is that the devil trying to get me over into the realm of sight? Yeah. So tell him to buzz off. We'll go with buzz. Get lost. Get thee behind me, Satan. You're not dictating my thoughts. I'll tell you what I'd do if the thought... I'll tell you another thing. Mark chapter 9. I'm not going to read it because if I do, I'll end up preaching another sermon. Because I, I don't have the ability I've learned in the last two weeks. I think I can in my head just read through Mark 9, and I can't. So... Jesus cast the devil out of that boy that's deaf and mute and suffered from seizures. And the Bible says when he did, the demon rent him violently on the way out, shook him one more time, and then left. And a rumor came through the crowd, the boy's dead. But Jesus grabbed him by the hand and picked him up to his feet. He probably was dead. You know, many times before, on his way out, it's like throwing somebody out of a hotel room if you're a hotel manager, or throwing somebody out of a restaurant or a bar, knock over some tables and chairs, on the way out and uh, cause a scene, but they're going out. And I'm like, you don't have any right to throw me out of here, but they're leaving. They're, they're going to the door. I threw a guy out of a place one time. You, I don't, you can't throw me out. I said, I, I notice you're walking towards the door, not towards me. So you can yell all you want about how you're not leaving. That's what he was doing. That's why I said that to him. You know, I'm not leaving. You can't throw me out. Because I thought, get out of here in Jesus' name. It wasn't at a church. It was at a coffee place. He was yelling at people behind the counter. I've thrown people out of my meetings. I've thrown people out of other people's businesses. When you're wearing a suit, you can do anything you want. A suit or a fluorescent yellow vest. You throw a fluorescent yellow vest on, you can do anything you want. Go anywhere you want. Just have a serious look on your face with a clipboard. I could play a video tonight, but I'm not going to. But I could be talked into it. A guy put a, a yellow vest on during COVID, had a mask on, a yellow vest, and was wanding people on the way into a building that wasn't his. His wand was a lint roller. Every person stood for 
Then he waved them in. It's not even his building. It's a lint roller. That's people. Say this out loud. Many times the devil will thrash, but he's on his way out anyway. So if you, you know why I'm telling you that? Because if you're a novice Christian or no one's ever told you that, you pray for your husband, Hank, that's an alcoholic. We're believing we bind that spirit of alcoholism. We command him to be set free. We're believing he's going to be saved now in Jesus' name. You go home. He's the drunkest you've seen him in 20 years. He curses you out the worst he's ever cursed you out. And is breaking stuff in the house. Well, a baby Christian or a novice Christian is going to go, Brother Jonathan, I need more prayer. Um, I came home, and I know, you know, it must be the devil because we prayed that, and I believed it. But he, he actually was the worst I've ever seen. But if you know what I'm telling you, you'd actually get encouraged. Knock as much furniture over as you want, devil, on your way out. You're leaving this place. You're getting your rear end thrown out of this saloon. There's a new sheriff in town. I'm going to tell you in your life, the devil's about to find out this week, there's a new sheriff in town. His name's you, and he's got, a, he's got somebody partnered up with him named the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout hallelujah. So... On the way out of that hospital, I said, Father, I thank you. Quoted the scripture back to him. I thank you that she's healed in Jesus' name. I couldn't have felt any less like she was healed. I went, but I've done all the things you're supposed to do. So over to God. And then never heard anything, assumed she died. And then, because uh, you know, the pastor never called me again. So then he has me back in to preach 18 months later. And uh, he had two morning services, 9 and 11, I think. So I did 9 Dismissed at 10.30. I walked across to a gas station that was by the Pentecostal church, and I got a Red Bull. And uh, it was like, one, I still remember, it was like early May up in northern Indiana. It was just starting to get kind of warm, 70. It was a sunny day. I was sweaty. So I stood for the sun to dry me off. Felt good to stand in the sun and drink a cold Red Bull. So as I'm standing there, um, a lady's walking up to the church. And when I saw her, I was reminded of this whole story because I thought that lady is built similarly to this, this middle-aged lady I went to pray for that had that lung problem, except she had like longer hair and her hair was a different color. So I'm staring at her and that, just, that thought just kind of came to me. Well, as I'm looking at her, she looks at me. Well, now I have some splaining to do because I look like some creep that's just standing outside of a church looking at women. So I said, sorry you caught me staring at you. You look like a woman that used to come to my meetings at this church, and I was just thinking about that. She said, oh, I don't look like her. I am her. I said, excuse me? Well, she had colored, obviously, when she got healthier, her hair grew back in, and, and she colored it, and, and you know, she didn't look dead anymore, so she looked a little different. That's why she looked different. She said, uh, she said, oh, yeah. My family told me that you came in and prayed for me. She said, they didn't tell you? I said, no. She said, five days after you prayed, the bacterial infection was completely cleared out of my system and they sent me home and I've been healthy ever since. I was just coming to, to your meeting, just drove in with my family. Now, I know you're clapping and saying amen. I got ticked off. I said, all right, great, glad you're here. And I went in to go see the pastor. I said, hey, pastor so-and-so. Yeah. You know that lady you had me go in and pray for that was dying? Yeah. You know she's alive? Oh, yeah. They yeah, sent her home the week after we prayed. Yeah. How about the next time that happens, you take, 
clear four minutes out of your schedule to fire off a text message to let me know. I've been battling low self-esteem for a year and a half, not praying for people because I don't think I do no good. Raise some, you know, hey, maybe this happens for you all the time. I've had like three people healed of the sniffles, one boo-boo healed at a children's church. This lady gets raised from the dead. You don't even tell me. So many times, put on the screen 1 Corinthians 15, 58. First Corinthians 15, 58, new living's fine. Over top of that generic cityscape that sort of looks like Dallas. There we go. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. How many of you know the Lord wants us weak and broken? <laughs> say, be strong. Immovable. <laughs> I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to push my luck because I don't even know if, if my assistant could find it. But uh, if you want to see a video that would illustrate a movable, my uncle, my dad's youngest brother was pastoring, is pastoring in Virginia. And you remember during Virginia, they had that Ralph Northam guy that was the governor that was shutting down churches. So my, my uncle never didn't have church inside. He never even did parking lot church. So he's in Virginia Beach. So the cops, city, it's a city. It's a good-sized church. So the cops came. On the anniversary of it this year, the three-year anniversary, he put the video up. It's the funny, to me, not like, that's why I'm not even going to play it, because people don't think what's funny that I think is funny. <laughs> I like, like, I like, like, violent-ish humor. <laughs> Somebody getting chewed out. I like watching old Lou Pinella clips. Or who is that um, Earl Weaver yelling at the umpires? I think that's funny. I like a good rebuke before bed. <laughs> so the, the police, there's like a bunch of them, five or six. We need to speak to the pastor. You know, they're mad because you're not allowed to be having any gathering, even outside. He's having full service inside, no social distance, no mask. So the cops come. So they ask for the pastor. Well, I know. I, I can tell. You know, I, you got a little bit of little discernment. They're expecting... A TV pastor, CBS, Hallmark Channel. Hello, I'm Pastor Shuttlesworth. My uncle was getting in, and I haven't talked to him about this, but I have a pretty good idea what he did, is as his metabolism slowed down as he got older in his 50s, he just quit trying to starve himself. and thought, you know what, if I'm putting on weight, I'm going to give the weight somewhere to go. And he started powerlifting as a preacher. He was doing, he showed me the video because so, people wouldn't believe it. He was doing 520 pounds reps on the bench. So he was jacked. <laughs> and he had on a tailor-made vest and pants and shirt and tie and comes out with a chest that's the size of like three of me. <laughs> and comes out with a little bitty espresso cup. And he's got a, you know, preachers all have deep voices because they, they, they had bad sound for the first 10 years of their ministry. He goes, can I help you, officer? They're, they're rattled. They like started backing up. Like... Now, normally, when you see a clip, the crook, the criminal can't stop talking and the police are calm. My uncle's holding this special cup. It's not even shaking. Just on his head. And um, the governor said, we don't even really want to do this, but you know, more of them are coming, and they're all smaller than him. 
It looks like ants coming around like a dead bird. Um, we, we, we actually don't. And then it's funny because it's mixed with physical intimidation, then plus conviction. Because my uncle's anointed. I was in one of my uncle's services when I was a little boy. He had the weirdest demonstration of the spirit I've ever seen. He called 21 people out of the crowd from all different sections of the crowd. Had them all line up across the front, then went down the line. Green, 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 red, red, green, green, yellow, red, red, green. You know, Pentecostals are pretty forgiving people, but after like 11 people getting assigned a color, they were like, goes down, and then one guy got white. And I was like, what the heck is this? Even me. I was like, and he goes, now pull out your cigarettes. And they all reached in their jacket and pulled their cigarettes out. And everybody that he assigned, the greens were cools. The reds were uh, what? Oh, yeah, we're in Texas, my friend. <laughs> and the guy that got white had generics. He needed a financial breakthrough. <laughs> Rolling his own. And then he said, now toss them on the altar and put your hand over your mouth. Curse the taste for nicotine off their lips and tongue. They were all delivered. That meeting went like four weeks in that church. Amen. I saw that when I was eight. So he's anointed. So he comes out, and these cops are nervous. They, it's like the opposite. It's like they were acting how the criminals act, and he was acting how the law enforcement acts. It was like, he looked like Wyatt Earp. They should have shot it in black and white, what he was doing. So he's standing there, sipping, not only not shaking, his hand's not shaking. He's continuing to drink as they tell him. Now, we're, we're, we will have to arrest you and charge you. You, you. you will go to jail next week. He's nodding his head slowly. Like this. I mean, the only way is like you're waiting for him to pull out a six gun and just drop him. And so they're, they're all dropping. And so, um, you know, we, we don't want to do this, but we do have to enforce it and all that. So you know what he told him? He goes, so they go, if you're, now, number one, this side, you already know they're full of crap. Because if it's illegal, it's illegal. Cops doesn't say, now listen, you were driving 100 miles an hour. If you're still doing this this time next week, I'm going to come. No. They knew, they knew they didn't have the, the power to do it. They're just threatening. So they said, and now, I'm not recommending this. This is Shuttlesworth. I told you my grandfather was driving moonshine trucks at 10, and we're all saved now, but we haven't been saved that long. So they go, <laughs> there's, there's three squad cars there. And they said, if you're still here having church to, next week, we're going to have to arrest you and take you to prison. And my uncle looked at him and went with the coffee, took a sip and went, be here at 10 sharp and you better bring more than three squad cars. They never came back. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? Now, I'm sure there's better illustrations in the lexicon of full gospel stories, but that's what... What would you do with my scripture? The heck? I pay by the minute? So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. Everybody say strong. Everybody, and what? Yeah. Immovable. Hallelujah. Brother Abraham, be the devil for me real quick. Just for this illustration. I'm standing my ground. 
What do you do when you don't know what to do? I'll tell you a couple of things to do when you don't know what to do. Everybody say, stand your ground. Everybody say, be strong. Immovable. You know, my, my uncle that I just told you about, he was talking with Dr. Rodney during that time. We were all talking. Things were turbulent. But when you're in the face of the devil, you know, when your enemy's there, you put on a different... Anybody play on a crappy high school football team like me? You knew you were going to get your tail kicked, but you didn't go out. You went out. We played this team when I was in Maine. I I played football for some reason. And uh, this team was so much better than us. And, you know, if somebody's better than you at ping pong or golf, fine. You don't get hurt. But if a team's better than you in football, you could die. We're getting destroyed. I mean, I'm talking about when, we have, when we're on offense, it's not like we not only can't gain any yards. It's like you're watching your own team going. We had the guy that played center on our team, which he's my friend. I'd love to reconnect with him. He was about five foot three or four. He had a good heart, but a good heart doesn't move bigger objects. He'd hike the ball and get blasted off his feet into the running back for a loss. So I remember this game because then the coach started putting second string in. I'm like, I'm not going out there. It's like the Vietnam War. So we had this big offensive tackle. His name was Kirby. He was over 300 pounds. And I was like, I'm trying to think how much thinner I was back then. Probably 50 pounds thinner than I am now. So he was, you know, I got behind him on the sidelines and I would get in between wherever the coach was moving. I'd stay behind Kirby. And I knew, you know, I was down on the depth chart, but not that far. I was like the the second wide receiver. So I could tell the coach was looking for me and I'm behind. And then when the game was over, (laughs) I got out from behind Kirby and he goes, Shuttlesworth, where were you? I've been looking all over for you. I was going to put you in. I don't know what happened. Things happen, coach. I don't know. And I could tell how ticked off the coach was at me because (laughs) everybody's bleeding. There's like blood, mud, and grass on everybody's uniform. And mine, you know, I have like a Christian mom. Mine, you could like smell the Clorox on it. It was like sparkling white. (laughs) Like a guy that went to Vietnam and never got out of the helicopter. I'm going to stay here, uh, Captain. Just going to clean the inside one more time. This has nothing to do with anything, but while I'm on the subject, one time I made an interception, right? And so I, I, I catch it and I look and, you know, the whole team's coming at me. So I ran full speed straight out of bounds, like just straight. So we're breaking down film on Monday and they show me catch the ball and run straight out of bounds. The coach goes, Shuttlesworth, sometimes I think you don't even want contact. Like, Bingo. <laughs> We are playing for free, right? Yes, I thought so. What do you do when you don't feel strong? What do you do when you feel very movable? Be strong and be immovable. The Bible says, having done all to do to stand, stand therefore. Everybody say, stand your ground. Say, don't back up. Say, don't give an inch. 
So the devil's in your face threatening you through somebody. Legal action. If you, if you don't stop having church, we're going to arrest you. It wasn't like it was an angry person on Facebook. It was the police. Stand your ground. Don't ever show the devil any fear. Don't ever give him the satisfaction of seeing you cry. Oh, no. Stand your ground as a confidence. When you stand your ground that are immovable, make a little pantomime like you're the devil trying to intimidate me. Everybody say, stand your ground. Say, be unmovable. Oh, yeah. I did that to a witch one time. I won't tell you what country I was in. She's pointing at me like this. On a chain. You're like a real witch. She's at a temple. Now, if that was the devil trying to frighten me, it encouraged me. Because I'm walking to church. I don't even feel it. I'm like jet lagged. I don't know the language. I'm thinking like, what am I even doing here? And then this, this girl chained to the temple comes to the edge of her chain. There's like 400 people walking that are all tourists and people from the town, just me. I thought, the devil knows me. I am anointed. I have a ministry. When she did that, I went like this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that should encourage you. Some of you, if you were to raise your hand, or we could talk one-on-one. The enemy's been attacking. I don't know. I can tell you why. Because you're anointed. And he knows you're anointed. And he knows if he can't discourage you and get you to back up, he's about to have a major problem in in Central Texas. But you're not going to back down. You're going to be strong and immovable, always abounding into the work of the Lord. Stand on your feet, everybody. So, my dear brothers, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I thought when I prayed for that lady in the hospital, it was useless. But it wasn't. Saved her life. Want to hear a worse story? During COVID, when you couldn't go pray for anybody, I was preaching in Kentucky. And the pastor told me about these people that were watching on YouTube during, a lot of people were watching on YouTube during the lockdown. More people are watching now. But I'm talking about people who have never watched church. So this live-in girlfriend of this guy, he's got pancreatic cancer, stage four, and he's going to die. So she says, will you come? She she sends word to the church. I I watched on live stream. Can he come to the hospital and pray for my, my boyfriend? They're like in their 50s. So I go, he's eaten to the bone with cancer, yellow eyes. And I go in, you know, they, now I gave a bad doctor story. That, the head of the hospital met me at the door and walked me to the room. You weren't allowed to have any visitors. He didn't make me wear a mask. And he said, I really have respect that you're doing this for people during this time. You know, I thought, well, that's great. So he walks me to the room. I go in, neither of them are saved. And I, I talked to him a little bit about Jesus. And he, he told me that he would receive Christ. He did. I laid hands on them and prayed. They had not been to church ever. And then I get word uh, from the pastor that that guy died like two days after I prayed. I led him to the Lord, but I prayed and he died. So you'd think that lady's gone, right? She's not, she, she's not gonna like me. Now, I'm not giving this as an example of sometimes you pray and it doesn't work out. I, I, I should have been able to get the job done. But I'm telling you, for this, for know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. As much as I would think, well, I missed it. The next time I go back to Kentucky to preach, she's in, in the front row, comes up to me after. You know, when you came into that room, 
My husband was the happiest those 48 hours, or my boyfriend, that I'd ever seen him. He was at peace. I, he talked to me about how he knows he's going to heaven. And after he died, I went to church and got saved. I got baptized. I've been serving the Lord ever since then. And I want you to know I thank God for you. So even... Say it out loud. Nothing I do for the Lord is ever useless. Now, say this. The word is incorruptible seed. So when you sow it, it's not possible. The Bible says, I send out, I send out my word, and it always produces its given result. It's impossible for the word of God to return what? Impossible for the word to return void. Well, when you preach there, I'm telling you, those people, they don't receive. No, that's not true. It's impossible for the word to return void. Well, yeah, but they're, they're very hard people. Is not my word like a hammer that smashes the rock asunder? There is nothing that can stand against the word of God. Where is that word? Well, you have it in the Bible, but say this. His word is working mightily in me. That's right. The seed of God's word. Even if you were to say... Yeah, but Jonathan, I don't have any faith. That's not true, because I just preached an hour and a half of faith into you. So you have at least an hour and a half's worth in your spirit. You've got word in your spirit. That word won't stay dormant in your spirit. That word is incorruptible. It's changing you. Now it's going to start flowing through you, and you're going to do damage to the kingdom of the devil this week in the name of Jesus Christ. This week will not be a repeat of other weeks. This week, something good is going to happen to you on Monday. Something good is going to happen to you on Tuesday. Lift both hands to heaven. Say this out loud. Something good is going to happen to me this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Those are my days. I expect a miracle. I receive a miracle because his word is in me. His word is in my mouth. And I take it now in Jesus' name. Now lift your hands and begin to thank God out of your mouth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, take a minute. Every hand lifted, begin to thank him out of your mouth. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord, he is good and his mercy endures forever. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit. Something good's happening right now. Something good's happening to you right now. I see everything turning around for your good right now. God's not going to leave you where he found you. You're one prayer away from the power of God, snatching you out of where you're at and putting your feet on the rock to stay. Something good's coming your way. Bible says so. I said the Bible says so. I see everything turning around for your good. I see everything turning around for your good. How many of you were here Friday night? Is that guy that gave the testimony here or not? About him and his wife getting back together? Well, I have it on Instagram. I played it for our church this morning. And then I put it on on Instagram. It's got a ton. 
I put on like four hours ago, it's already at 20,000 views. And I put, I put in the caption. I said, to all the men that Father's Day is a reminder of how badly you've messed up. Let Jesus put the pieces back together. Got divorced after 10 years. Later, we went to high school together. And then I was in a previous marriage that was 20 years plus, And that marriage fell apart. And the lady that was my realtor uh, was a spirit-filled woman. And she said, look, I, they went to a church in Arlington. And she said, Pastor Jonathan Shuttlesworth is going to be in Rowlett and close to you. You need to go see him. And that was during COVID in 2020, and I came and saw you. And as a matter of fact, this gentleman right here, I came in, and I was drunk when I walked into the, walked in here because I was drinking every night, every night. And uh, I sat here, and he had the, the gift book, the, the offering bucket. And I asked him what it was. He told me, and I said, here, this is my alcohol money, $160 for a week is what I went through. I went through three gallons of, of vodka a week. I would get off work, come home, drink, and go to bed. And uh, my, ex, my, my ex-wife, now my wife again, because we have children who's always had faith in me, never got remarried, always was there because we had kids, kept praying for me. And when I got here, God put us back together. Say this out loud. When I have nothing left but God. I have enough to start again. Stay on your feet because I'm going to pray for you. I want you to see this. Romans chapter 10. I don't know if this was his favorite verse, but when I preached for Pastor Mike Hankins before he went to heaven, he talked to me about this scripture several times. The word is nigh thee in thy mouth. Look at it in context. But uh, Romans 10, 6. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. That's a lot of churches that you've come from. Oh, Lord, we just ask you to come and move in the hot. No, no, no. Don't say who will go get Christ to come down from heaven. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart. Can I see it in the King James? Romans 10, 8, King James, KJV. But what saith it? Everybody say the word. Don't ask for God to do something from heaven. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. I don't believe in this word of faith stuff. Okay, then tell Paul when you get to heaven. This is the word of faith that we preach. Where is it? The change isn't coming from heaven. The change is going to come from in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith. Not which we believe, which we... No. Yes, preach, speak. Say speak. Preachers, speak. Say the word of faith that I speak. Oh God. No, not oh God. If you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, everything starts with the believing of his word in your heart. Then what does it say? Out of the abundance of the the mouth. I'm going to play the mightiest testimony we've had in our ministry, and I'm so glad we have it on video. And it's a, it's a word. It'll show you the, the efficacy of God's word. This did not take place over several years or a year. This took place in a handful of months. 
This woman was a, was a breathing corpse. Listen to her testimony. 97 pounds. Completely bedridden. Central nervous system blown out. Carried to the toilet. Carried to the bathroom. And watch what happened. Go ahead and roll it. completely uh, Turn it up a little. I was confined to a bed. My central nervous system was completely destroyed by years of harmful medications. I had lost feeling in my face. I had lost feeling to control anything in my body. I convulsed for months at a time. It got to the point where it was too... Uh, too strenuous for three people to take me to the bathroom. At 33, I was in adult diapers. I was completely hopeless. I was unable to sleep, couldn't feed myself. Uh, I couldn't read. One day I was on YouTube. It said miracle service, just a, a picture and it had Pastor Jonathan. I became borderline obsessive with Revival Today. I downloaded each app. I would turn on the 24-hour broadcast and just stick it under my pillow at night. And I would have Pastor Jonathan screaming in my ear all night. In the month of January, I slept only 10 hours. By video. And so I should have um, had so many seizures that I would have died. That's what the doctor said. But I had Pastor Jonathan screaming in my ear. And so I became completely immersed. The word of God is living and active. And what did she get immersed active, in? Working in me. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. The Bible doesn't lie. And what Pastor Jonathan will say, when you quote God, you're never wrong. I continue to speak the word of God. Pause it real quick. And say what she said. Say the word of God doesn't lie. You know, she wasn't a Christian. Just listening to it. You know, it's funny. Somebody will come to church and not believe me. But you know what? You're going to believe somebody. Who are you going to believe? Dr. Fauci and the team of White House doctors that everything they said the last three years was a complete lie? They're all running for cover now to not get sued. But God's word never changed. We were speaking healing in 2020, and we're speaking the same thing right now. Who are you going to believe? It's easy to say you don't believe me, but you're going to believe somebody. Who are you going to believe? Believe his word. And this is what it'll do for you. Go ahead. And I also learned how to pray. I don't know if any of you guys do afternoon prayer, but it is vital. I learned how to speak to the mountain, to speak to the circumstances. And at that speak. point, I couldn't read. All I could do speak. was listen. Finally, I started seeing some change. Hallelujah. I decided, you know what? I'm not doing this wheelchair anymore. And so... I instead had a walker and I would use the walker and still very much struggled. And I would beg people to take me to revival today. I said, if I could just go, She's in Buffalo, if I could New York. just get into the tangible presence of God, if I could just go. I finally convinced one of my caretakers to take me here in September. Hold in. Do you know how, how convincing you have to be to convince your 24-hour caretaker in upstate New York to drive you to Pittsburgh for church? Housebound? Desperate. I mean, you just take the ingredients of the miracle. Word, belief, speak, desperation. I'm not living like this anymore. You know, some of you should make up your mind, I'm not living like this anymore. 
What is the devil using to, t- to steal your joy and happiness? Get rid of it. My husband beats me. Call the police. Lock his rear end up. You don't have to live like that. You, it's not your job to rescue somebody that's committed to live against God. I've had three and a half hours sleep. You can feel the compassion just flowing out of me. Yeah, pray for him. No, get him, get, throw him in jail. What is the one thing the devil, some of you are one thing away from being completely happy. The devil's got one fox spoiling your vine. Tonight that fox comes under the power of God and is run off permanently in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Continue. In. There wasn't a parking lot here. And so we pull in and it's all rocky. And I'm it was thinking, an active I'm construction site. Stupid thing over here. So I she can't my, walk. my person, I said, just park here, get into the back. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a long walk. Yeah. But I felt the presence Soccer of God. Field. I walked in and just looking, I felt the Holy Ghost just like a wall. It hit me and I just began to just tears. And it was like, I just felt the Holy Ghost, like putting my faith in action. And I knew that the Lord was meeting me where I was. Pause it real quick. You heard that? You saw that? The Holy Ghost melted her? You know, how much can I say being recorded? What's people's, how long do you want to fight against God? You know, we, we rent a facility on Sunday. We're done by one. Other people are coming in to use it. And they... You should see the looks I get. You'd think I was in charge of dealing fentanyl in Pittsburgh. All the parents walking in because their kids are going to do sports. Hey, welcome in. Nice to see you. You know why? Because they're mad at God. And he's not there to glare at, so I get it. That's why Jesus said you get his blessing if you take his persecution. It's not you they're mad at. They got some problem with God for God knows what reason. What are you going to fight against the one person who can help you? Where was God when I was going through this time? Where was the devil? Be mad at him. God's not the author of your problem. He's the author of your help. Yeah, you should lose the RBF in the house of God. Talking to the men. Amen. What's wrong with your face? Get your face healed. I'm not talking to anybody here. Somebody online. What did you, you know, I, I've been in churches. If you watch me on YouTube, you've heard me say it. I've walked right up to people. What did you do tonight? Go on, go on the internet and Google revivals and say, hey, honey, there's a revival on Tuesday night. Let's go and stare the preacher down for two hours. you know God doesn't owe you anything? You owe God everything? What are you Impress me, God. Let's see if you can heal. No, you should. You're the one that should desperately cry out and say enough is enough. God, I'm looking to you for my help. Because that's where her miracle started. You know, that guy that gave the testimony on Friday night. People are interesting to me because you could have just as easily, that guy said, I came to church, I was drunk, I was drinking three gallons of vodka. But she wasn't getting sick much. What virus could live in that much alcohol? 
He said, I came to church drunk. I saw the white buckets and said, what are those for? And they said, it's to give. The guy's not a Christian and he's drunk. Now, couldn't he have just as easily said, figures, all you people wants money and storm right back out and go drink. But instead, he takes his alcohol money and gives it in the offering to a God he doesn't serve. Then you got other people that serve God and are sober and won't give anything. Not you. This is Texas. But in other states, that's the case. And then what happened? God took his alcoholism away and gave him his marriage back. What about her? How come she didn't turn on miracle service and hear me talking about God go, well, if that stuff's... If that says blank and true, then why am I laying here at 33 dead? Don't tell me that God's good. And turn it off and listen to something else. Couldn't she have done that? So I can say, nah, I like this. See, it's not God. The difference in men is who they choose to believe. Are you going to so let Paramount and Viacom and every media company so bias you against God and church and preachers that you're going to stay in your own problem? Or can you recognize that the devil's been indoctrinating you for 35 years to shut you off from God? But tonight, you're going to reach up, put your hand in his nail-scarred hand, and see your life change. Go ahead. Kofi laid hands on me, and he prayed that God would expedite the healing work that had already become. So that was the uh, first week in September. So here I am today, and that was the last day that I used a walker. The last day I used a walker. And I drove myself here. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. I drove myself, I carried luggage to the second floor of a hotel. I took the stairs just because I could take the stairs. And I walked here and I parked really far away too. Only believe. That's all Jesus said. Believest thou that I can make you to see? Yea, Lord. That means yes. As your faith is, so be it unto you. Believe. Lose all the bitterness that life put in. I told my friend I'd come one night, so... So what? You're going to go to hell to prove a point to somebody? People are going to do that. My dad was a pastor, and he didn't live right behind the scenes. So what? So you're going to go to hell to, to, to prove something to who? No one's going to care. It's completely dark there. No one will know you're there. No one will be able to distinguish your screams from anybody else's screams. So you're going to throw your whole life away to prove a point to who? Show my mom. You know, she, yeah, show her what? It's your life. It's not her life. I choose the blessing. I choose life. That lady made up her mind in March. I believe this book is true, and I believe it, and immerse yourself in it. And she went from corpse, adult diapers, paralyzed, 24-hour care, to somebody you'd never know one thing was ever wrong. 
That's the Jesus I serve. What about you? If a lady can get that off YouTube, what can you get here in person? If you just drop the wall. What? Why fight God? Why resist the Holy Ghost? Why resist the Holy Ghost? Why can you get comfortable around demon spirits and tense up like a British soldier around the anointing? If we were playing Rihanna, you'd loosen right up. And the Holy Ghost. Surrender. What's that song Sister Clarita's been singing every night for the altar call? I surrender all. That lady didn't argue with God. Well, you say you're a healer, then I don't. No, no, no. Okay, that's the word. I believe it. I'm coming up to your way, God. God doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe me an explanation. Just get on his page. Amen. He's not going to make a second Bible for you. Read it. Believe it. Do it. It works. Read it. Believe it, speak it, do it, get the result. God spoke to me in December of 2020 to build him a strong church in the city of Pittsburgh. What was he doing? Looking to wear me out? Looking to give me another challenge that I didn't have the power to to do? I was thinking, you know, we had just had our record year financially. I was thinking, yeah, God, I'm good. I don't need to be doing anything else. I'm happy. I don't need money coming in. I like my life how it is. But you know what I found out? God doesn't give you things to do to decrease you. He gives you instructions that lead to your increase. God's word brings increase. The same way God called me up to another level in, at the end of 2020 and then this last week, I'll tell you the details in the future after we get all the papers signed. God's calling you up higher. Brother Sean, nobody here is going to stay at the same level. You're going to do great things for God. Life's not supposed to be hard and full of tears. No. What's what's joy? Glasso? What is it? Gosso. Joy, joy unspeakable. She wasn't happy serving the devil and sad when she got saved. She was miserable when she didn't know the Lord and smiling like a butcher's dog after meeting Jesus. God's not looking to decrease you. He's looking to increase you. You know these churches that teach that God wants to test you and If God wanted people weak and broken, what did Jesus come for? People were already weak and broken. He didn't say, I came to break the hearts of of people. He said, I came to bind up the brokenhearted. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Whatever the devil has used in life to put a callus over your spirit, to not receive the word of God, that callus melts off now. You're not going to live. The devil's not going to have the satisfaction of taking you down the same road and slapping your head. You're coming out today. The Lord's going to touch your heart today. God's going to put his fire in your heart today.
I pray there's people watching online right now that are just like that lady, even if you're watching the replay, that the fire of God is going into your room right now. It's going to take you out. You know, I, 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 even, as I'm, even as I'm rambling on, I'm, I'm thinking on the inside how since that lady gave that testimony, it's just, we've been starting to get lots of testimonies like that. People with 24-hour care, bed fast, shut in, cancer. Play the, uh, play the um, Louisiana guy with the mom with cancer. I know you need a couple minutes. It was, it was just two weeks ago. These aren't, this isn't like a highlight reel from the last 50 years. Go ahead. That's me two weeks ago. I was slightly transpired. younger. Amen. I'm, my name is Bo Johnson. I'm from, uh, I live in Calvin, Louisiana. I'm a pastor in a church. Me and another brother, we take turns preaching on Sundays. But I had actually had been suffering an attack in my ministry because I believe what he believes, that God can heal. And God can do anything. Well, my mother was diagnosed with cancer over a week ago in her kidneys. Where was the cancer in her kidneys? Kidneys. And, uh, I mean, she was bad. She got to where she could only eat a grape, maybe drink some juice and throw up. That's how bad it was. And Brother Jonathan, I just appreciate you, brother, because you care. I care, yeah. And as I spoke to him, he, he just spoke a minute. I said, but the real reason I came here tonight was my mother has cancer, and I'm a, I, I, I don't want to see her die. And he just put everything down and said, come here. He prayed for me. And as he prayed, at the end of the prayer, he said, these hands that I'm holding in my hands, if you'll leave and go pray, put those hands on your mother, she'll rise and she'll be healed. Pause it. That's what a minister's supposed to do. People don't have anybody to encourage them. He's one of those faith preachers. What do you want me to be? In that situation, what do you want me to tell them? Oh, your mom has kidney cancer? Well, she has a 99.9% .9 chance of dying this month, so best of luck. No. Jesus didn't do that. Join your faith with people. Let's get this thing turned around. If you don't have anybody to believe with you, you got a white boy here right now to believe with you. I believe God. That'll take some of your fear away praying for the sick. What if they don't get healed? They're going to die anyway. Did you charge them money? The hospital will charge them hundreds of thousands of dollars and make you pay for parking on the way out after they die. Oh, your grandmother died? Sorry, that'll be $5. True or false? Do you get a death pass? If the person dies, you don't have to pay parking? No, they'll make you pay parking on the way out of watching your family member die. So, me no care. You can't make me feel bad. The hospital doesn't feel bad. And I didn't charge anything. So they're already dying. You don't kill them. Give faith. And that's why I gave you that story of the lady from Kentucky. Even if you couldn't get it done. The fact that that was the first that lady ever felt the faith and love of God brought her to church. She said, my husband's or my boyfriend's in heaven. I'll see him again. And I want to make sure I go too. Can you say amen? Certainly in your hands. What if, they do, what if it doesn't work? What if it works? I mean, I, I, that, that guy's mom. I'm never going to meet her. She lives two hours away. I can't go see her. I was preaching twice a day. Give me your hands in the name of Jesus. When you lay your hands on your mother, it's going to drive the cancer out of her body. In Jesus' name. What if he comes back though and says, then she died. You're going to die anyway. Every, it is appointed unto every man wants to die. But that's not what happened. Be amazed if you start moving in the faith direction. Give God room to move and he'll move. Finish it up. Listen, I left out of here 
happy that he said that. And then I got to the car, and my wife is back Pause there, and I called her. I left out of here happy he said that. Let your words make lift people. Christians can't figure out Joel Osteen. Unsaved people all love him. Christians hate him. You didn't talk to any Christian about Joel Osteen. He's like Joel Osteen, you know, he just says nice things to people. Some people need some nice things to be said to them. Sorry you grew up at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory where everything was great. Not everyone grew up like that. Can you say amen? So when I said that, the guy was crying. My mom has kidney cancer. She can't even eat. When he said that, it lifted my spirit. And it, so, you know, it's supernatural because he had to work in the morning. Instead of saying, well, next time I see my mom, I'm going to pray for her. He drove straight to the hospital. What if you did that at work tomorrow? It's tomorrow holiday. Is it? Oh, g and I was wondering why the stock market was closed. I can't get any action tomorrow. On Tuesday, when you go to work, imagine if the next time your girlfriend tells you at work, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm having the roughest time. Instead of, instead of waiting for her to finish, you can tell her how you're having a rougher time and one-up her story. If you just did what I did, give me your hands. Let's pray. You, I would say about 100% of the time, if someone opens up to you about a problem, they're not going to reject you praying for them. Because why did they choose you to open up with? The anointing is opening them up to confide in you. Give them your hands. Let's pray. And then pray. Well, God, whatever your will be. No, Father, turn this situation around. Let their son come off heroin this week in Jesus' name. They're going to cry and give you a hug. Amen. Continue my little story. what she said. She said, are you leaving now? I said, I think I will. So at 1230, hmm. Sunday night, I show up at Cabrini Hospital in Alexandria, Louisiana from here. Which I, is how far? Oh, gosh, two hours. <laughs> I went straight there and I, I drove. And listen, I got there and I said, how am I going to get in? They're not going to let me in because you know how funny they are now. And we had been coming in on the side door. Well, I just happened to look. There's another door and somebody had put a piece of something and propped that door open. I went right in. <laughs> I went right in. I went up there and I had already called my brother and told him I was coming and I walked in the door. I said, Mom, I come here with a prayer. Pause. Does my daughter have chewing tobacco in? <laughs> Father, if my daughter's getting mixed up in the wrong crowd, just help her while I'm on the road. In Jesus' name. All right, continue. The evangelist told me to pray and touch my, put my hands on you and you're going to be healed. I pulled everything back and I laid my hands on her kidneys just like he said. I prayed and I walked out the door believing. I didn't stay five minutes. I told mom, I'll see you tomorrow. I got to go to work. I left. The next morning, my brother called and said, hey, mama's eating. Mama's eating. Today, today she ate chicken. Wait, wait, there's more. <laughs> today, she ate chicken. She ate cake. She drank milk. I mean, she done everything. <laughs> They ordered 15 tests today trying to find the cancer. They can't find it. That was uh, two Sundays ago. He's a mighty God. The gift of faith jumped on him drove right and did it and then only stayed five minutes that's what, when i've gone to pray for people in the hospital they, they think you're gonna come visit the time i had the nurse turn the lights on i said this isn't a visit it's two in the morning lady couldn't lift her hand up to brush she went paralyzed 
out of nowhere, prayed. And when I was praying, she lifted her hand, I left. Gift of faith jumps on you. Prayer's not, people think they need sympathy, but they need faith. They need somebody to put their arm around them. No, that guy came in first man and said, mom, how you doing? Put his hands on the kidney, prayed, out. It's done. This is not us giving you comfort in the storm. This is giving the storm a kick in the old gonads and telling it to go. And you going over to the other side in Jesus' name. I see every storm that's been against your life dissipating tonight in Jesus' name. Brother Shop, come stand with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you hear the gospel, you get a little RBF because there's sin on the inside of you. You don't light up with joy. Your face gets like straight because deep down, you know you're not right with God. Well, why not get rid of that today? Why have anything that separates you from God? You're one prayer away from being saved, from being born again, saved from destruction, saved from the devil's power, saved from assault after assault. God can't do that and the devil can't stop it. You have to choose. You have to choose life. And you have to choose it tonight because you have to answer God while he's calling and he's calling you now. He sends evangelists to do the calling on his behalf. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, I'm not living 100% for God. I've allowed sin to become a part of my life. Like, I mean, you never know who's in a meeting. Lockdown, church, it's not even legal to come to church and that guy's here drunk. I didn't know that. Looked like a, you know, Texans hide their drinking well. Can't tell. He's standing there, drinking himself to death, marriage ruined, and he makes up his mind he's gonna receive Jesus. What about you? That guy's a good guy. People are good people. They don't go to hell because they're bad people. They go to hell because they've never repented of sin. You can't do enough good things to go to heaven. You have to be born again, spiritually. You have to give God your old heart and let him give you a new heart. If you're here and you've never done that or you once did it and you fell away and you know you need to come back to the Lord tonight, I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me and we're going to pray in Jesus' name. I see you, miss. Who else? Who else? The Lord's dealing with your heart. This is my night. I see you. I'm going to get rid. I see you, sir. Who else? I'm going to get rid of sin. I'm not going to let sin get rid of me in Jesus' name. Very quickly, everyone. I see you in the back, sir. Very quickly, everyone that lifted a hand, if you came together as friends, you can come as friends. Come out from your seat and join me at the front right now. We're going to pray. In Jesus' name, come right now. Come right now. This is your night. Every hand that was lifted. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. This is awesome. before we pray lift your hands to the Lord I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer say this from your heart you're speaking to a very real God say this Heavenly Father I've come forward tonight to give you my life forgive me of all my sins 
wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your hands lifted and let me bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Everything that was wrong before tonight, the same way God, in all these stories we've shared, he made everything right. Let everything be made right. Everything the devil broke and scattered, let it be gathered back up and restored in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Put this hand on your back, low. I command that to decompress. In Jesus' name, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be blessed. Give my brother help in every area of his life, O oh Lord. Make every crooked path straight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Be blessed. Be doubly blessed. Be blessed in everything you do in life. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Everything you touch, let it be blessed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for all the South Koreans or anyone who knows one of the South Koreans. I feel to pray for you. In Jesus' name. While they're, while they're coming, welcome to the family of God. Come loose in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Um, get, get plugged in to this church. In Jesus' name. Stay there and let the Lord touch you. You live around here? church. I'm here all week. Would love to see you more. God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. Every hand lifted across the front. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. Be blessed. Be blessed. California, oh Lord. 
touched the whole state of California. In Jesus' name, be blessed here in the name. Filled in Jesus' mighty name. Touch California, Lord. Touch Northern California. Touch the farm country in Central California. Touch Southern California. Touch LA. Touch Anaheim. Touch Orange County. Touch San Diego. Touch California. National City all the way down to... The... Shake, shake that state. Let a mighty revival... Father, show that you're God in California. In the face of it looking completely hopeless, turn the whole thing around in one year. <clears throat> Let a revival come through the Mexican people. In Jesus' name. Let a revival hit, hit, hit everybody in California. All the Vietnamese that are there. The South Korean. Who, who else is there from Asia, like heavy? Chinese? You know, I'm just going to throw this out here. Maybe it's the Lord dealing with me. Whoever is the first one that does a big Arab crusade in the Middle East. You know, people do African crusades now. But there was a time where doing an African crusade was the equivalent of doing a crusade in Saudi Arabia. Uganda was completely closed to the gospel when Daisy and T.L. Osborne went there. Nobody, they wouldn't even allow American diplomats in. And Daisy Osborne went in without permission and did what the Lord showed her to do. Knelt at Idi Amin's feet, who had people beheaded and burned alive. And she's a woman, walks in without permission, kneels before him, puts her hands on his feet and starts to pray in tongues. And she feels his hot tears hitting her on the top of the head. When she looks up, he's like this. And he gives him the soccer stadium to use. So whoever's the first one that goes over and has a big outdoor crusade in the Middle East, they're going to have the next big ministry because it's not been done. And, and I'm not knocking people to do African crusades. I enjoy them. But you're retracing people's steps. But then there's other places where there haven't been any steps. Then the other one is whoever does the first big outdoor crusade in China. You know, you, you throw that up on social media. No one's seen that. No one's ever seen a crowd of 250,000 Chinese people listening to the gospel. They've seen Africans. They've seen Americans in stadiums. Nobody's ever seen that. Nobody's ever seen uh, 300,000 Sunni Muslims listening to the gospel. You say, well, that's impossible. Is it? What if the head sheik's son that's on heroin got delivered from heroin and filled with the Holy Ghost and it restored his marriage and that guy made an exception for you? And of course, you could die. Sometimes you got to roll the dice. You can't make an, a gospel omelet without breaking a few eggs. Amen. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine Shanghai being right in the biggest stadium in Shanghai. And they're being just, they make an exception for you. That's all you need is one exception. Amen. I've been feeling it the last 36 hours. I told Adonis that lay next to her and in uh, bed last night. I said, whoever hits the, the Middle East with the first big 100,000 plus crusade or China, they're going to be, that'll be the next Reinhard Bonnke type thing. And I don't know that's, that, that, but you know what I've been thinking in the meantime? 
You know, you could go, you could go do it in California under California law, which is slightly less restrictive than Chinese law. And you actually could go to Africa. I don't, this was an idea. I was actually right ready to do this when the lockdown hit. Maybe this is getting stirred up in me again. That's why I'm talking about it. I was gonna do a crusade for the Chinese people in um, uh, Namibia, in Africa, because there's tons of, they, they call it the new colonialism. It's different. Like in, in the 1800s, the Netherlands and uh, England and France all sent people down. They made them learn their language and colonized Africa. But now the Chinese are there. They don't care. They don't care if you learn Mandarin or not. They make deals with the government. They build their own roads. They have their own place they live. And they're taking the wealth, making deals to take the wealth out of uh, Africa. Well, the thing is, they're all there. I went to Namibia. There's a huge Chinatown, like massive, with, with gates like you're in China. And it's all Chinese. I went in to buy a suit there. And the guy that was with me from the church, the lady said, what do you do for business? And the man answered for me. He said, he's a pastor. She went like this. He said, church. She went, church. And then, he, and then she, he said, you know, the Bible. She went, Bible. She spoke English. Didn't know any of those. Didn't know church. Didn't know Jesus. Didn't know Bible. And it, it, it's still bothering me, actually. So you can't, as of right now, legally go hold a big outdoor crusade in China. I mean, you can do it illegally, which I'm not opposed to. But uh, you could go to Africa, and there's big encampments of like 80,000, and you could hold one there, and you're not under Chinese law, you're under African law, which is conducive to the gospel in most of the countries. So just throwing out some ideas. Little brainstorming session to open up round two. I don't have any places to preach. There's whole countries that need someone to go preach. So just go. You, no one actually has to invite you. Just start yelling at someone. Just start yelling John 360 to the top of your lungs and see what happens. Amen. Instead of retracing things that people have done already. So maybe that didn't help anybody here, but there might be somebody watching right now crying with their hands lifted saying, I'll go, Lord, and then it's been all right, where's Pastor Sean? Sorry to keep you up here so long. I got distracted talking about Chinese. There are going to be, there's going to be things that are going to be done before Jesus comes back in the area of world evangelism that are going to astound the minds of people. Oh, the, the third one I told Adolf for my spirit is whoever does the, the first big one in Russia which those have been done before. When the Soviet Union collapsed, my dad was one of the first ones in and they packed a stadium and it was pouring rain and nobody would leave. It was in Belarus. And um, at the end, at the end, they said they were passing out Bibles and everyone wanted one because no one had been allowed to have one their whole lives. And some lady was yelling at the top of her lungs in the back of the crowd. They, they didn't know she was demon possessed or what. And so they asked the interpreter what she's saying. And he was crying. He's, he said, she's yelling. That's not a Bible. That's not a Bible. My grandmother had a Bible when I was a little girl. They're much bigger than that. I want a real Bible. She was right. They were giving them out New, um, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. Because they're cheap. The group that was doing it. Can't, you can't print the other 20 books or whatever. 30 some books. She knew it. You can't fool Russian women. They were wearing bandanas before it was cool. Amen. (laughs) 
I saw a Russian lady on, on Twitter. She was taking her trash out. I'm talking an old lady. And a bear was in her trash. She took the top of the trash can and started hitting him in the head. We need people like that in the kingdom of God. Amen. Modern day David's. We need you in the kingdom of God. God's going to touch you tonight. This is going to be the greatest week you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.